everybody. Welcome to Cash Holes, the show where we debunk widely accepted misconceptions about your financial lives. Today, we're going to discuss the current state of healthcare insurance. My name is Mallory. This is Shawan. And I'm Emily. Shawan, how about you kick us off with our Reddit story? Okay, so just so you guys know, we go on Reddit every week and scour this website for really interesting stories about our topic. And this month, we have something... Uh, that was submitted by a user called Razorback92. I'm assuming because he has a hairy back or something. I don't know. <laughs> and basically, the title of this is Self-Employed and 2017 Health Insurance Premium Increased by 100% in Oklahoma. Ooh. This is really crazy. Ew. So basically, this man with the really hairy back has um, two adults in his family, his him and his wife and then two children and basically he used to pay $679 a month for his health care but this year or in 2017 that is turning to $1,354 Razor like sweating <laughs> I, I was going to say number. raise your hand if you have 600 additional dollars to put towards bad health care Sure not me. Yeah, none of us are raising our hands. <laughs> okay, and here's the kicker, too. So his um, deductible is still $6,500. <laughs> My heart rate just rose a ton. Oh, no. So imagine that. It's, like, it's because he's self-employed, and right. so nobody can like share in the cost of his, his insurance. So uh -huh. let's say this, you know, this hairy man gets into a <laughs> car crash, and his entire family is involved. They have to stay inpatient somewhere. They're completely screwed. That's definitely a super scary situation. He's basically asking, he's like, I wonder how other people are handling these um, skyrocketing health premiums. Um, you know, are there any good suggestions for uh, what I could do? And, you know, later on, we kind of have some things that we could explore. But first, we got to go over what exactly healthcare is, what it's comprised of, and what you should be looking for in your own plan. Right, because we don't want to assume that you guys know every little bit about this, so we're just going to briefly break it down for you guys before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything. So before we jump into how we can best avoid healthcare cash holes, let's iron out these three essential terms that you're going to hear throughout our podcast today. So number one, a deductible is the amount you have to pay out of pocket before your plan will pay expenses. And once you've hit that deductible, you might have coinsurance, which is a percentage you have to pay on remaining medical expenses until you hit your out-of-pocket max. So for example, if you go to the hospital and you have a deductible of $5,000, you have to pay for everything out of pocket until you reach that $5,000. Once you reach that deductible, you have a bill of let's say $1,000, your coinsurance will kick in and you'll pay whatever percentage your plan offers. So out of this $1,000, if your coinsurance covers 80%, you'll end up paying the leftover 20% which is $200 out of that $1,000. So you're basically telling me that even though I have health insurance, I will be unable to get treated <laughs> if I get in any trouble is what you're telling me, but continue. Yeah, well, you just need to make sure that you're mindful of these things, you know, right. when you're setting your plan up in the case of something happening. Because mm -hmm. that coinsurance can sneak in and you have to be mindful that that's extra money that you'll have to pay on top of that deductible Exactly, as well. and that... You want to be mindful of that before it happens because otherwise you could get screwed yeah. later on. 
Um, and then finally, one last term is you'll also have a copayment. And this is a fixed flat fee you pay for covered services like doctor visits or prescriptions. It varies by what plan you're on and you and if you've reached your deductible. So you just want to be mindful and aware of what's going on with that as well. And I feel like those terms come into play with various different health insurance plans. So there are four popular ones that you'll see most often. So the first one is an HMO, and with that, you're required to select a primary care physician, and you also are required to get referred if you wanna go see a specialist by that primary care physician. The next one is a PPO. You don't have to select a primary care physician with this one, and you don't need referrals, but it's a little bit more expensive month to month for that plan. And then you also have an HSA, which is something we're going to be talking about a lot today. Um, it's a savings account that you can use to pay for certain approved medical costs. It has a really high deductible. And then you also have an EPO, which is similar to a PPO, where you don't have to name a primary care physician or get referrals, but you have a smaller pool of doctors and larger network of providers. Out of network is typically not covered. So those are the basic plans. Sorry that we made you sit through like a Sesame Street version of like <laughs> definitions and stuff, but we figured we'll give you all the basics. Um, we'll also have a PDF document linked in our show notes with more in-depth info about these plans and some of these terms and definitions if you want to read more about it later. But I think we should dip into discussing our own health insurance plans. Yeah, I think with all this talk, it'll be helpful for us to explain our own situations and mm -hmm. why we picked what we did. Um, so Mallory, how and why did you go about planning your specific <coughs> health care plan? Well, my situation last year, um, I went with a health savings account with a deductible of $2,600. And I set up my health savings account so that the money would get pulled out of my paycheck to go into that account up to $1,000 a year. And then I had $1,000 stowed away for medical expenses in my savings account, my personal savings account. And so that worked out because I figured if I got into a fix, I could pay half of it and my health savings account could pay half of it after a year. This year, that plan, the deductible went up to $6,000, I think. It went up by a lot. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that's a cash hole. <laughs> like that went up by so much. So I recently just switched over to a plan that's a little bit more expensive, but the deductible is much more reasonable and I can handle paying it. So I think a lot of us are in a similar situation, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. I got a PPO last year mm -hmm. and just to give you some perspective based on what you just said, my PPO, the same plan went up. Like it's like, two times what it was last year. So the monthly cost, the monthly cost yeah. is two times what it was last year, which really, really sucks. I mean, I alluded to not having a ton of money <laughs> if I were to get into like a car crash or need inpatient hospital stays or whatever, which that is thousands and thousands of dollars. My parents don't have a lot of money too. So, um, I've opted into the higher level PPOs, but they're very, very expensive. Um, and it sucks, but I think my old one that I had was like $2,500 of a deductible. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I chose the one with lower deductibles is because I have a couple of health problems here and there, and I just want to be super careful just mm -hmm. in case anything happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially if you know that you're more prone to have me medical issues or mm -hmm. problems, or if you tend to be clumsy like I am, <laughs> um, you want to choose the one with a lower deductible if you can afford to pay those uh, higher premiums every month. It just really depends on your current situation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming from someone who almost broke both her arms at her birthday roller skating party, <laughs> I will tell you that sometimes medical things pop up that you did not plan for, so it's always good to have some type of plan in place that will help you out when this kind of stuff goes down, because I had to get definitely. x-rayed. <laughs> what about you, Emily? What's your health care plan? Well, actually, since I'm under 26 and I recently graduated college, I am still on my parents' plan, which has really saved me some money. But essentially, um, we have uh, you know a middle ground deductible that we have to reach mm-hmm. on our fl- family plan, and our premiums aren't that crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So for right now, I'm you know middle of the road and just holding tight until I'm 26. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that's smart, though, for anyone who is under 26. If you can stay on your parents' plan, stay on it, because that saves you a bunch of money, especially if you're doing student loans, which we talked about last time. Yeah, a lot of money going down the damn drain, and I am not (laughs) happy about it, but that's just, you know, the cost of being an adult. Um, Let's talk about why it's so expensive. Yes, please. We've been hearing (laughs) a lot. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We've been hearing a lot of stuff everywhere, you know, about the Affordable Care Act, or as some people like to call it, the Unaffordable Care Act. Um, (laughs) And I want to kind of go through why premiums have gone up so much. In Arizona, for example, and all of us have seen this, um, it's gone up on an average of 116%. Wow. So basically, the problem that the Affordable Care Act tried to solve is that it wanted to get more people um, insured with health insurance. And um, it did indeed do that over the course of you know, eight years, there are 20 million more insured people. Um, the problem is that um, pre-existing conditions were covered and it was guaranteed issue. So no matter who applied into the health insurance programs, they were guaranteed to get covered. And the thing about health insurance is that essentially a group of people puts money into a pot and they agree that whoever gets sick, it's a low chance that somebody's going to get really sick, but whoever gets sick um, essentially gets to take the high amount of money out of the pot to pay for their various bills. And so what basically happened is when you put a bunch of sick people into the pool, all of them try to claim the money at the same time. And so in order to cover the additional costs, healthcare premiums had to go up a lot. And so basically this happened all around the country and people, you know, various insurance companies decided that it was no longer profitable to compete with Obamacare. And so they pulled out of various states um, and this angered people uh, because businesses were pretty much pressured into providing health care plans. This angered businesses and it has been an enormous mess. Yeah, it definitely you can see that this year as all these premiums came up during open enrollment you can definitely see that sort of trickle down effect of people not healthy people not opting in yeah and i mean it makes sense it's like i think when you are coming from the perspective of a progressive um your head your head space is that well this is a cost we need to pay for other people to get insured like we all need to chip in but if you're coming from the perspective of the right or just somebody who does not want to pay a million dollars for their premiums you could see why this is a little bit messed up absolutely right i definitely think it's it's not black and white it's definitely you know those insurance companies they quickly realized they're not making a profit this was detrimental to their business and they had to do what was best for their business And so, you know, you don't want to get mad at them saying like, oh, they're all leaving and they're making it worse. It's because people weren't opting, healthy people weren't opting in. And now with Donald Trump winning the election, because all of the polls were predicting Hillary. Mm -hmm. So 
I think what Democrats wanted to do is move towards a single payer system. Yes. Well, now that Trump is elected and the House and Senate are Republican majorities, we're going to move towards another system where we're, we're focused more on HSAs and he's going to make a lot of adjustments to this law, repeal and replace. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to our Reddit user story. So he asked for a lot of suggestions as mm-hmm. to um, how he could fix his situation. And basically the best suggestions were essentially going with some sort of union or group that is catered to bringing down the cost, which is something that we also found was helpful for people who have high premiums. Yeah, so there are, in that comment section, there were a lot of alternative options that um, some of those people described going with because there were a lot of people who were self-employed in that comment section saying, oh, I did this and I did that. So some of the ones that I found most interesting was going with a faith-based healthcare sharing ministry so buckle up, guys, because this gets <laughs> crazy. I'm all ears. Premiums so, for Jesus. <laughs> so some faith-based groups offer a healthcare sharing option that's typically more affordable per month than the Affordable Care Act plans and private plans. And it's recognized as approved coverage under the Affordable Care Act. So if you opt in for this, you don't get that pesky tax penalty that is set up for people who don't opt into any of these plans. Um, But there is a catch. When you sign up for membership to these ministries, you are usually asked about your religious practice, like the name of your church or the name of your priest, so so on and so forth. And they hold the right to deny coverage for pre-existing conditions and certain medical expenses that don't align with their group's morals. So, for example, if you're an unmarried woman and you get pregnant and you want to go, you know, get your checkups get ultrasounds they can say they can deny you any coverage because you're an unmarried woman who got pregnant out of wedlock Ooh. <laughs> so i'm heterosexual for health care it's super premium right so some people were saying like i'm compromising my morals i'm signing up for this because it's cheaper i don't care sometimes they'll even make you sign a little piece of paper where you say i agree that Um, you know, sex outside of wedlock is a sin. I agree that marriage is only sacred between man and a woman and all these things. And you sign your name to that. And some people are like, I'm signing my soul away. It's cheap healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) So it's super interesting that I found. Yeah. And then there are also like a bunch of supplemental health plans that have sprung out as a result of the, the gaps. I think, you know, one of the ones that we were looking for was called the gap healthcare plan. It's called the outlook gap plan. (laughs) Yeah. So this plan is designed to cover most of most or all of the deductible for high deductible plans at a low monthly payment. So for those of you who picked the plan that has a higher deductible yet for a lower premium payment, this will cover that gap while you reach that higher deductible. So it Mm -hmm. offers critical illness and accident coverage, and Mm -hmm. there are discounts on prescription drugs, vision, and certain imagery and surgery services. There's over-the-phone consultation and diagnosis are also included through this teledoc program. And essentially what this is, it's like a FaceTime with a doctor. So if you, Mm. you know, have a cough or have something that you really don't want to plan a doctor's appointment to go to, you can just hop on your phone or computer, what have you, and either talk to them over audio or video, and hopefully they can help you out in the meantime, and it's a bit easier for them and for you. Um, So most basic plans will cover uh, 2,500 max for uh, $29.95 a month, and it's immediate coverage the second you sign up. See, I think that teledoc thing was cool because I, I didn't really understand it at first, but mm-hmm. 
it just makes sense that if you are fearing, feeling paranoid about your health, rather than, you know, running over to the doctor and having to spend money out of pocket, you just call somebody and mm-hmm. they take care mm-hmm. of you. I think it's also cool, the prescription um, discounts that you get. I mean, if you have a good healthcare plan, you're, you're, the amount of money that you pay for your prescriptions is all, already like not super high. So I think it's great right. that people can get a discount as well. And just for, you know, $30 a month, all those things are covered until you reach, you know, that high deductible, which can mm-hmm. really save a lot of money for people. Um, so that's definitely a positive thing to think about if you fit into this category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe our Reddit user from the beginning could get a plan with a, you know, a high deductible, which he already has, or maybe some sort of like more ex- a less expensive plan, mm-hmm. maybe an HSA, and maybe add something like. Um, this supplemental health plan to help him reach his deductibles in a reasonable mm-hmm. amount of time and also have better access to, you know, 21st century healthcare. Yeah, you can kind of think about, um, you know, 2016, 2017 healthcare almost like an a la carte menu. Like mm-hmm. pick and choose what works for you and, you know, nothing is specific to one you know, group of people, but whatever works, just pick and choose. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that gap plans were so common i bought a car mm-hmm. like two weeks ago and they have automobile gap plans as well that that are offered oh, through I didn't like, know about that. the dealership where they take care of all of your maintenance and stuff mm-hmm. and so it's priced similarly it's very affordable it's like mm-hmm. 20 30 bucks a month on top of whatever you're paying and i actually mm-hmm. opted into one because i i see that being useful mm-hmm. i think because the private market develops a lot of these gap plans and they are very knowledgeable about the you know gaps in mm-hmm. all the insurance industries, Mm -hmm. they really develop very effective products. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely think it's a growing trend with rising premiums come these supplemental insurance. It's insurance for your insurance, Mm -hmm. essentially, because now our regular insurance is becoming unaffordable. Yeah, it's not a secret that people are struggling to (laughs) pay for those premiums. I'm pretty sure people are kicking and screaming as they're paying those premiums. So So speaking of affordability, uh, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but when the Obama administration was under the impression that Clinton was going to win. They were probably under the assumption that they would be moving to a single-payer healthcare system. And what that means is that the health premiums would be taxed and the government would be paying doctors. So the negatives is a lot of times it's hard to generate a lot of revenue because you have to tax people a lot. You also are at the government's disposal as to what they will and will not pay for. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, although you know governments like Canada or Sweden have higher satisfaction with their healthcare systems, they do experience longer waiting time. So mm-hmm. that's where we were going before. Now that Trump is president, it's a whole different ballgame. So um, a couple of things that is interesting about Trump care. So first of all, he campaigned about repeal and replace. So everybody was assuming that it was going to go immediately, uh, the Mm -hmm. ACA was. But even if he were to hold to all of those tenants, it would take a couple of years for Obamacare to leave. Right, because anyone who enrolled is guaranteed coverage through 2017. Exactly. And what what's interesting is that he's keeping a couple of things with Obamacare that are popular with the public. So mm-hmm. one thing is he's going to keep um, kids on the parents' plan until they're 26. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> he is um, guaranteed re- 
uh, coverage is going to re- remain, but he's going to put more quote-unquote sick people in high-risk pools to make the pricing a little bit more fair. He's going to allow insurance sales to happen across state lines, and he believes that coverage can still be possible when, with keeping pre-existing conditions. Um, Republicans right now have 52 seats in the Senate. They need about 60 to repeal Obamacare, so I think at least for the first four years, there's going to be a lot of adjustments. Mm-hmm, for sure. I don't know. It's crazy because I was reading this um, article the other day about people in Kentucky (laughs) who basically were benefiting from the ACA and they voted for Trump. And so now they're afraid that things are going to be taken away and they might not be covered as well. That is really interesting. Just uh, like when it came out that, um, you know, premiums were raising like exponential amounts. So I think there was a report that came out that said that Indiana's actually went down. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting that, like, for the most part, a lot of them are increasing, but there are some, like, nooks and crannies in the United States where it's actually decreasing. So I can mm-hmm. understand why they might be a little nervous mm-hmm. now that things are mm-hmm. switching around. <laughs> well, what's fascinating is that every, like, political ideology has a very different view as to why things are happening. I was watching a Tommy Lahren video this morning, and she she definitely believes that. Obama and Clinton were pushing for um, single-payer health, which Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people do. Um, I think a lot of people on the left, when they talk about, you know, quote-unquote, the failure of Obamacare, um, the reason why they think it failed is because the penalties weren't enough. So basically, young people were not joining the health risk pool um, because it was cheaper for them to pay the tax penalty rather than to join a plan. And so with them not joining, everybody's prices went up super high. And that's why for the people who depend on, you know, various private health care or they try to pay through their work, it's just not something that's working for them. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're pissed about it. Right. What do you think is going to happen next year? What do you, I mean, I think we all kind of took a hit now. Um, mm-hmm. If healthcare premiums don't go up any further, what is your plan for your next enrollment? Because for me, I'm thinking about like staying on this plan, saving up a bunch of money, and then going to a lower deductible plan, unless the, mm-hmm. the healthcare premiums get more affordable. Yeah, well, for me, I already took a, took a compromise this year. I'm paying about $120 more a month to get that lower deductible plan instead of a health savings account. That's 120 Wendy's chicken sandwiches. I just want you to know. <laughs> oh, believe me. I know. <laughs> I've cut them out so I get healthier. <laughs> wow. So Trump Ration care really is working. <laughs> Apparently for me it is. Um, if premiums don't go any higher, then yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. I'll probably just stow away some money and try and go with an even lower deductible and already have money that was planned to go into those premium payments. So it, you know, feels a little bit less like a slap in the face <laughs> than it did this year. <laughs> yeah, for me, I just hope that I can stay on my parents' plan until I'm 26. So. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. Fingers crossed it's more affordable by the time you're out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to marry somebody in government, <laughs> a woman in government. <laughs> and I'm also going to um, – you know, join a faith. <laughs> oh, one of those healthcare sharing ministry groups. Buy a lot of lottery tickets. <laughs> and I'm also going to buy the gap plan. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. much covered. <laughs> that sounds good. 
Okay, guys. Well, our next episode will be about IRAs versus 401k. So be sure to tune in next month and we're going to help you kick those cash holes to the curb.